Warning! This podcast is different from other podcasts. These episodes contain dangerous choices, perilous tangents, and unwavering silliness. The choices made on this podcast may lead to success or disaster. But remember, you are responsible because you choose to listen. Good luck. FYI. Yep, I uh, noticed I was hitting the red, so I turned my recording volume down a bit. You're a pro! See, I like that we have this conversation recorded in Audacity, so we can <laughs> use it to make our masterclass, our podcasting masterclass. Mastercast. Oh, that's good! <laughs> yeah, welcome to Masterclass by Booze Your Own Adventure. And then there's like, there's like a fun cello sting and a title card that says like, The Pitch. And we're like, well, coming up with a podcast pitch is mostly just getting drunk and sort of like throwing <laughs> stuff out really? until something sounds funny and sustainable. We like to go with just making jokes about what like a funny name for a podcast would be and then seeing, you know, if we can milk uh, any blood out of that stone. Come up with a pun and then spend a minute reverse engineering the plot that will get you to that pun. It works like, <laughs> like magic. God. Yeah, that's a good plan because like at least then you know how it's going to end. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Wasn't that really good? Now, if you pay for our masterclass on our Patreon at <laughs> www.patreon.com slash 69 Starfox, uh, you know, you can, you'll have access to that and so much more podcasting wisdom. Welcome to Booze Your Own Adventure, a podcast where three grownups try and beat a children's game. I'm Ian. I'm character actor Michael Kane. Hey, this is Mark. And today we're going to finish up our first Zork book. Zork book. Which is called The Forces of Krill. When we last saw our heroes, El Prince, Prince Elron, the knight, had just sort of like told us to go collect the Palantirs. Right. right? And bring them to the resistance base, which is about to be force, which is about to be crushed by the forces of Krill. Uh-huh. Wait till after it's crushed, then come deliver the three the three Palantirs of Right. Wait till after it's crushed, then come, then show up to deliver the Oh, oh. Chris, extra vigilant on the ejaculation jokes. Chris, uh, <laughs> we all got to do something, you know? Okay, so we'll pick up from, uh, oh yeah, we got to give that warning again, because I feel like it's going to be critical to today's playthrough. But beware, Elrond cautions, pausing for effect. Then we had that good joke last week. <laughs> Krill may try to trick you. He may even appear in the form of your uncle, Siavar. Just remember that Siavar never removes the sapphire ring, the ring of Zork, from which his powers flow. He mounts his white steed that I guess he stole from prison because he, he had just escaped from prison. Good luck, Bivitar, Geronda. He gallops off. As Elrond vanishes in the distance, Bivitar says, No time to waste. Which way now, Duran? <laughs> this section of the map is incomplete torn away but i think she looks around then points to a zigzagging staircase leading up the side of the dam that is the way to the spheres so we got two choices they're not really choices option one did you get the magic sneakers from the prince of caldorn which is again one of those moments where i have to step back and say what the fuck is this setting 
Uh-huh. <laughs> There's a Prince of Kaldorn with a K, and also there are sneakers. Yeah, people still ride on horseback and fight with swords, but there's a battery-powered lantern. They have a Nike factory set up there, so... There was cheap labor here. <laughs> yeah, the labor is very cheap. It's a time-traveling Nike factory. It's modern-day Nike, but they only have to pay them in, like, stale bread. Yeah. Man, time travel is going to fuck the economy so hard. At the top of the dam, the stairs end on top of a small building perched on the dam. I have no idea what we're looking at. The, <laughs> the view from here is awesome. The river forming below the dam and flowing out of the cavern. The giant bird legs of the building perched on the dam. Right. Baba Yaga style. Yeah. The gargoyle man with the building on top of him. To be clear, uh, were we not underground? Are we not underground now? No, we're still no, underground. No, we're still underground. There's a dam underground. Remember, it was supposed to be a shopping mall. But like, and we see it by what light? There's, the sun is at the very far end of this tube, sort of pointing out. Okay. So not much is the answer to that okay. question. Yeah, we're in like a giant culvert. They enter the small building through an access hatch in its roof. It turns out to be the control room of the dam. Like, what else is it going to be? What do you mean it turns out to be? It's, you're on, okay. It could be a viewing, like a viewing area. They do weddings, uh, bar mitzvahs, <laughs> bat mitzvahs. I compu- uh, community meeting space. Yeah. Tremendous pipes crisscross the walls and ceiling. Like Adele has. Like a what? Like Adele has. Like on the screensaver? Uh, A-D-E-L-E. Oh, I thought you meant, wait. Oh, Tremendous Pipes, because she's tremendous good at pipes. singing. Okay, yeah, yeah. See, yeah I, thought, you, I, thought, I thought you were talking about the Windows 95 screensaver that makes it be pipes on your computer. You know what? The joke works both ways. I kind of like it. That's a, that's a really good joke. Really good joke. We, we, we thought of it together. Collabed on that joke. <laughs> and if you want more of that sort of joke, be sure to tune into our master class at blah, 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 69. You get it. The best part of this joke was that no one laughed at it, and then we talked about it for 30 seconds, and then we talked about how good it was that we came up with it, but at no point did anyone laugh. Mark, hang on. Is, is, is that the best part, or is this right now, is this right now It just part? keeps getting better, and if you call right now, you can make jokes like this on your own shitty podcast. All right, okay, let's get back, let's get back to the book. Uh, a control panel with four powerful-looking buttons adorns one wall, and if you want to know what they look like, just sign up for our Mastercast. <laughs> Only four payments of sixty nine sixty nine. A large window looks out across the surface of the dam itself, where water from the reservoir calmly glides over the top of the dam before plunging into a river valley below. I understand at this point that dams are on rivers and lakes. (laughs) They really want to drive it home, though. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It makes the lake. The only exit seems to be a ladder leading up to the access hatch in the roof. That we just came in through? Yeah, probably the same way you came (laughs) in. Let's see what these buttons do. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Let's see what these buttons do, says Bivitar with a straight face. (laughs) You crazy? We'll probably blow ourselves up. Let's cross the top of the dam. The water doesn't look too deep. It'll be safe. Do we manipulate the dam controls? (laughs) Just sort of mash on a bunch of buttons. Or do we leave the dam controls alone and cross the top of the dam? Fuck. Uh, I think you meant frob. Frob, uh, I, I like it. Seems extremely funny. Just walk into an ancient, like crumbling dam and be like, "Well, let's mash some buttons." And that's why we're doing it. Yeah, you're right. Let's do it. Mash these buttons. Bivitar, feeling slightly nervous now that he said it out loud, and a sane person has agreed with him. This is not the first time that Bivitar has suggested something insane, and Jorana's like, "Wait, though, we die." Yeah, let's just jump across this thirty foot chasm. Like, hang yeah. on. Bivitar is a serious liability. Right. Is it, it, well, like teen boys, like if you uh, given a boy and a girl the same age in like any of the teens, I feel like your chances of getting 
a responsible decision out of that human are better if it's a girl. I think that's right. Yeah. I mean, at least in media, that's how it's portrayed. Boys are always like, look at how long I can hold this firework before I have to throw it. And girls are always babysitters. <laughs> or like, oh, man, we're all Boy Scouts. Let's throw a can of cheese whiz into the fire to see what happens. <laughs> a good point. But I, I've never been on Girl Scout camping trips. I imagine there's a, there's a strong pull to the human heart whenever there's an open flame to throw things into it. I would hope so, because otherwise, like, how are we to really interact and understand these other people, right? Right. We all have that one thing in common, is that we'll throw a can of Cheese Whiz into a fire. Bivitar, feeling slightly nervous, presses the first button, which is like, it's not just like a sequence of, it's not like damn button number one. With a faint crackle, the lights in the control room come on. Stop pressing buttons. <laughs> yeah, we've, we've killed it. This is the best possible outcome for buttons. This was our warning shot. He looks pleased and jabs at the next button. Hell yeah. <sighs> a loud crashing sound comes from the direction of the dam. The floodgates of the dam have opened. Torrents of water are pouring through them. After a few minutes, the people living below the dam are all dead. <laughs> the level of the reservoir has dropped enough to stop the flow of water across the top of the dam. The valley below, the influx of water is swelling the frigid river beyond its banks. Push more buttons. Yeah. Great, <laughs> says Bivitar. Now we can cross the dam in safety. Heady with the success of his first two button pushings. <laughs> New best sentence. Bivitar hi eagerly hits the third button. Nothing happens for a moment. Then, with a scream, one of the massive pipes bursts open and rusty brown water begins pouring out. Why is there a button for this? Yeah. <laughs> water continues spewing up from the broken pipe, and within seconds, the water level is up to their ankles. We'd better scram, suggests Bivitar. But there's one more button to push. Yeah. You got 100% this. Yeah. At that moment, another pipe bursts and a large section of the wall collapses. Water swirls around their knees. The last button is the Omega 13. It's how you undo this mistake. Quick, Geronda, out the hatch. He starts towards the ladder. Two more pipes burst. We're up to four burst pipes and a collapsed section of wall. Look, look, Geronda cries, pointing to a hollow area behind the collapsed wall, quickly filling with water. There, resting on a rotting beam, are the three <laughs> Palantirs of Zork. What? Okay. Built into the uh, um, oubliette-style control room in a dam. Just all three of them were in one place? Like, what's the point mm -hmm. of having three MacGuffins if they're a package deal? Immediately, a wash of brown water sweeps over the spheres and they vanish from sight. Oops. Water splashes against their chests. Probably not the chests of the spheres. Spheres of the chest. That means boobs. That's what that means. Gross, Mark. <laughs> I said that. Pause so I can get a clean cut on it. <laughs> <laughs> Listener, if you enjoy being grossed out by jokes on podcasts that you listen to, might I recommend a masterclass? <laughs> I'll teach it. Generous offer, Mark. Thank you. Okay, do we try to save the three spheres or try to save your own neck? Now, which one of these is push the fourth button? Because <laughs> I'm pretty committed to that. Line of action. <laughs> if we save our own neck, we leave the room that has the buttons to push. I think we gotta go for the spheres. Yeah, yeah we've been going for these fucking spheres for like an hour and a half at this point. Let's get these spheres. Bivitar dives for the submerged Palantirs. The water is murky and filled with powerful eddies, <laughs> like Eddie Munster and Eddie Van Halen. But they're super jacked. They're just wicked strong, these eddies. They've been doing lots of roids. Yeah, they're powerful. Um, but he gropes around and locates the rotting beam where the th with the three spheres. 
and places the spheres in the leather pouch hanging from his belt. Tries to straighten up, but discovers that his leg is wedged between two of the pipes. And this oh becomes no. a this becomes a one-character book. Geronda, meanwhile, is treading water. Its level has neared the ceiling of the control room. Beginning to panic, she dives down to look for him, but only succeeds in banging her head on some submerged pipes. Because <laughs> there were so many pipes. Just as Bivitar's lungs seem ready to burst, another pipe breaks, loosening the one holding his leg. At the same moment, the windows from the control room explode outward from the water pressure. Bivitar and Geronda are both swept out of the control room on a wave of muddy water. Hooray. I thought you were... Geronda sobs and seems embarrassed to be crying now that the danger is over. I've got them. Bivitar gasps between breaths. He points to the bulging pouch. Horny. Gross. Yeah, thanks, Forbeck. After Geronda wipes her eyes and wrings out her hair and Bivitar gulps in lungfuls of fresh air, the two intrepid adventurers, again, like that is overselling. Intrepid. Now we're adding intrepid to adventurers and not just like confused kids. Hey, I don't know what intrepid means, but I'm pretty sure if you blow up a dam to get some treasure, you're intrepid. The dam's surface is damp and slippery with algae. But eventually, they reach the north side, where a path leads upward along a cliff overlooking the reservoir. The path soon reaches the entrance to a mine. Within, they can see the flickering torches lining the walls. They enter warily and almost immediately come to a junction. To their right, the tunnel leads downward into the heart of the mine. To the left is a room which sparkles in the torchlight. They gasp at the sight. Treasures and riches of every description are piled up to the ceiling of the room. Gold and silver coins fill chests to overflowing. Wow, says Bivitar, his eyes glowing. Keep in mind, this is before the Aladdin movie comes out, and, we, and where we understand that, like, treasures mean peril. Do we explore the fabulous riches of the treasure room, or go directly into the depths of the coal mine? I don't know. My instinct is to say, fuck these coins. Let's put these balls in Quill's mouth. Yeah. Chris, do you want to do, like, a guest professorship on my Gross Jokes Masterclass? I've got a spot open. It's not even a joke. I was just being gross. Page 103, we go into that coal mine? Let's do it. It's the one with a plot. Keeping their minds on the more important issue of getting the crystal palantirs to Siavar, Geronda and Bivitar turn their backs on the treasure and descend into the coal mine. Finally, a voice cries out, Stand and be identified. And one of the knights steps out of the shadows. Oh, it's you two. Siavar will be delighted. Follow me. Okay, so just to be clear, we walked across the dam and we found our way to like the rebel base. Like mm-hmm. it was just there. Th- yeah, and it's clearly not under attack because this knight is just free to wander around willy nilly. This is the smallest world I think I've ever read a book in. <laughs> yeah, it, to have a map drawn of it, it is because you could just stand on a high point and see everything. Like the artifacts that were lost for 100 years turned out to be in the basement. It was like a 20 minute walk. And then once we collected them, it was like a 10-minute walk back to just like the rebel base that we'd never been to before. Pretty cool. Okay, uh, the knight turns and leads them to a large chamber carved out of the bowels of the coal mine. Many knights are standing and sitting around, eating and poring over maps of the underground. Other knights are sleeping on cots at the far end of the room. One man, taller and better armed than the rest, turns towards them and exclaims, Yo-ho! A few broad steps bring him to their side, and he embraces them. The use of them is really weird with all of the talk of knights right before. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, it's a lot of unclear group pronouns. This day has proved a happy one after all. Are you well? They 
All the knights? Both nod. The Palantirs. Right. Some food for Geronda and Bivotar. Ah, oh, the food nods. Got it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Another knight pulls up a bare wooden bench for them to sit on. Once they are seated and eating, Siavar says, okay, we never, <laughs> never clarified that it was Siavar. Yeah, I was starting to have this cool theory that it was Siavar, but I guess I was just expected to figure it out. Oh, man. <laughs> Mark, you got to drop those, those, those predictions on us early so we can confirm or deny. Uh, once they are seated, Siavar says, Elrond tells me that you have the sword, capital S, and have been seeking the three Palantirs, capital T, capital T. <laughs> How is that quest gone? <laughs> and then this next paragraph. After they are seated and eating a hearty stew. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. It's like they didn't edit it. It's like they edited They're too much. It out. Go it's ahead. Like, okay. Now, to be fair, there are some like OCR duplication problems that I've sort of read around. But this is obviously the same setup in the beginning of a different paragraph. Oh, my God. After they are seated and eating a hearty stew, which is different from the words before, once they are seated and eating, Siobar says, Elrond tells me that you have the sword lowercase s <laughs> and have been seeking the three Palantirs, capital T, capital P. How has the quest gone? Wow. Do you guys smell toast? I smell <laughs> toast. <laughs> yeah, the forces of Krill, there's no such thing as the forces of Krill. Um <laughs> Siavar's like caretaker sort of mm -hmm. walking him for the day. It's the forces of aging is what it really comes down to. Can't fight, Siavar. Uh, we've got them, Geronda says, smiling. We've got them, Geronda says, smiling. <laughs> ah, excellent. Ah, excellent. <laughs> we now have a fighting, fighting chance to defeat Kirill after all. all. Excellent, excellent. Ah, excellent. Welcome to Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> His face hardens. Well, let's have the spheres and the sword. Time is of the essence. Wait, check his ring. Yeah, yeah. He reaches two massive bare hands towards them. Okay, but beneath the fur, is he wearing the ring? Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, ba sorry, bare, bare, bare hands. Something tugs at the back of Bivitar's mind. It's the thing from three minutes ago. <laughs> come on, come on, says Siavar impatiently. Do you give the Sword of Zork and the Three Palantirs to see about? Uh, I don't know. Do we give the Sward of Zork? <laughs> what would that, like, I'm thinking like a small boat. Sward. I was thinking like some sort of a, like a napkin, but for your, uh, like it goes from maybe like the middle button of your shirt to uh -huh. like your uh, front pocket. And it's just yeah. like uh, on, on, on your, whatever your dominant hand is. So like if you actually knock like a soup spoon or something onto your clothes there, boom, your Sward's got you covered. See, I'm thinking Sward yeah. is like a middling uh, political position, like no real power, but a lot of prestige associated mm -hmm. with it. So like if you're, you know, good for nothing, rich son gets appointed to Sward, it's like, eh, good on him. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, oh, this is Gregory. He's Sward to the steward of Gondor. Like, okay, cool. But who do I talk to for real, though? Because I the need steward to, of Gondor. Do not talk to Jake. Do not talk to Gregory. Out. Gregory can't read. I really like both of those ideas. And I like that it, in, in some universe, it could like in the north, it means the political office. And in the south, it means like the big napkin. Mm. Right. Because uh, everyone who occupies that political office gets a uh, an, like an official big an napkin. An official big napkin. <laughs> and everybody, everybody in the other place who has a big napkin is treated with some deference. I just like the idea that like there's a there's a universe where instead of like uniforms or medals, prestige is denoted with large napkins. <laughs> it's, it's a step away from a sash. It's not that far fetched. It's like a utilitarian sash. Yeah. 
Okay, so we're not going to give this guy the sword, right? Because he's definitely Krill. Hell no, he's definitely Krill. Now, the yeah. bigger question to me is like, why doesn't why doesn't he just kill us and take it? <laughs> Probably because we've got the sword, right? Oh, and, and we could do some real damage to him with the sword? Uh-huh. Good point. Well, let's get that sword ready. We killed the troll, no problem. Oh, man, he's holding the sword all wrong. Doesn't know. He doesn't know which one is the Palantirs and which one is the sword. Come on, man. <laughs> no, shouts Bivitar, backing away. Duran, he isn't wearing the ring of Zork. That's not C of R. It's an imposter. Fuck, C of R curses. <laughs> and then spits and then vanishes to be replaced by an ugly creature robed in black and radiating evil. The knights have vanished as well, and in their places stand armed lizards, yes. saliva r- dribbling down their massive jaws. Yeah, we're, we all just got braces. Not only do we have this magical sword that defeats this like powerful god entity, also his thugs are lizard men. Like the similarities with the EPM RPG are just getting freakish at this point. Yeah, you think they're woozy? You think these are some woozy slizzards? They could be woozy slizzards. You don't know. They're definitely armed. <laughs> Run! Bivitar cries to Geronda. He dashes back into the passages of the coal mine, Geronda right at his heels. <laughs> Behind them, a hissing voice bellows, Capture them! I like that hissing voice. Thank you. Yeah. Part Skeletor, part like early Voldemort. It hurt, really hurts to do. I hope he doesn't have a lot of speaking lines. The ground climbs steeply, and their hearts pound from fear and exertion. Close behind the pursuers pound along, their armor <laughs> clattering. Their pursuers pound along. Man, mm-hmm. this, there could be a great highlight reel of sentences from this book. <laughs> Just real horny sentences. Yeah. Bivitar stumbles and Geronda helps him up. The warriors of Krill nearly close the gap between them. Between each other? The warriors of Krill, they're getting closer together? <laughs> the Palantirs. They're, they're, they're scooting the Palantirs all closer together. <laughs> the passages twist and turn, and it is impossible to tell how far they are from the entrance to the mine. That could be anything. <laughs> Their lungs... Feel about to burst, but the lizard fighters are still gaining ground. I love these lizard fighters. Call me lizard fighter. I don't know that one. I'm going to need more of that, Mark. Yeah, I didn't really expect anyone knew that one. We'll just keep going. Okay. Around a bend, a large bin of coal sits next to the top of a metal ramp that slopes away into the ground. Hmm. Follow me, Pants Geronda. Don't call me Pants Geronda. Hurtling through the mouth of the metal ramp, Bivitar follows, one step ahead of his pursuers. The ramp is slippery, and the two adventurers slide downward at a wild pace. The ramp is also full of sudden twists and turns, making it hard for them to catch their breath. Also, there are, like, nails sticking up from it. Ooh, yeah, to separate the big chunks of coal from the small chunks of coal. To separate the big chunks of Geronda from the little chunks of Geronda. <laughs> Uh, then, as suddenly as their ride began, it is over, and they land in the bottom in a pile of coal dust. With their heads clear, they realize that they are in the cellar of a house. Guys, guys, guys. We're back in the troll room. But I feel like we only went down. Yeah. Okay. And, and came from an underground kingdom. Yeah. Shh, it's magic. It's, ma- it's a magic ramp. Shh. Rickety stairs lead up to a trapdoor, which is open now. It was locked before. Voices can be heard from the room above. Do we go upstairs to definitely what is the house of Elrond or mm-hmm. yeah. just wait? Wait here shoot. for your pursuers to catch up with you and kill you? Like, what is that option? Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, let's, let's go upstairs. Okay. They climb the rickety stairs and find themselves in the living room of Elrond's house. Elrond is there, as are a number of other knights and someone who looks exactly like the form that Krill took in the coal mine. Who could that be? 
I mean, it's kind of silly because like we wouldn't have recognized CFR anyway. So Krill didn't have to take a form at all. He could have just said, I'm CFR. Yeah. Right. We've only ever heard him read, like write a note to us. Yeah, I guess we could ask for a handwriting sample. The caring smile on his face, the kindness in his eyes, and the gentle warmth of his hands on their shoulders leave little doubt that this is truly Siavar. They do not even need to check the ancient ring that Siavar wears. Uh, trust but verify. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's yeah. just check it to be sure, right? Yeah. We have the Sword of Zork, says Bivitar, handing it to whoever this is, maybe Siavar. <laughs> and we found the three palantirs, adds Geronda. Pointing to the bulging pouch. Is that the the only thing that pouches do is bulge? I feel like this Legion of Knights has to be really embarrassed that a couple of kids rolled up on this universe and within like 90 minutes found all of the most precious artifacts that would help them win the war. Like what the fuck have these guys been doing for the past millennium? Yeah, maybe reallocate some of your resources to finding these things. Yeah, let me throw this out there. Uh, It's really hard to get enough like nutrients to make your brain good uh i would say (laughs) in like a feudal society Mm. good point a look of relief passes across cvr's face he farted (laughs) take my master class i'd been holding i've been holding that in for weeks elron told me of your quest But when Krill discovered our hideout in the coal mine, and we were forced to flee here to a house with Elrond's name on it, I feared the worst. Now there isn't a moment to lose. As if to prove Siavar's last statement, one of the knights, peering through the cracks of a boarded-up window, cries, Krill's army is surrounding the house! They are easily 10,000 strong, a number I can see from my vantage point. (laughs) Hit through a thin slat and some boards. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, it's 10,000 or at least, it's like at least six dudes. <laughs> Quickly, CFR removes the crystal palantirs from the leather pouch and does that contact juggling like David Bowie in the labyrinth. <laughs> they shine with an inner light of their own. The first one, fiery red. The second, glowing blue, like a perfect summer sky. And the third one, a shimmering white. He places the spheres on the trophy case. He drops to one knee, leaning on the hilt of the sword, capital S again and recites a spell in an unknown tongue. An arc of light leaps between the three spheres and grows to encompass the entire room. It flashes blindingly bright, and as the light fades, so do their surroundings. They're all dead. Well, possibly. The house is gone, and instead they stand on a hill in the center of a vast plain. There's a close-up of their hand sort of brushing some wheat, Um, (laughs) and they are super turbo dead. (laughs) My name is Pivita. Uh, man, I could not remember for the life of me that last uh, bit from Gladiator. Uh, you killed my father, prepared it <laughs> That's what I wanted to say, but I was like, wait, no. no There's a wife and a child in that one, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He just looks into the camera and says, were you not entertained? And then it cuts to credits. Before them, like a foul black sea, stand the armies of Krill. Krill himself towers above them, larger than life. A horrible dark cloud before the sun. Mark, our big bad, is a sort of gaseous form. Yeah, this is, uh, I'm starting to think my ideas that I stole from Ari Montgomery weren't all that original. Yeah, maybe not. Or, alternately, Ari Montgomery just inspired so many people. I'd have to check the publication dates. Behind them, stretching to the horizon, summoned by the power of the Palantirs, stand the legendary warriors of Zork. Which, like, written out, I can't help but picture basically the Three Stooges. Something about warriors of Zork just does not inspire confidence. Clothed in white tunics and shiny battle armor. I actually want to, like, take a moment here to acknowledge that, like, for all the shit we've given this book, 
it has built to a conclusion like that feels like a climax, right? Like it feels like it was leading to this moment yeah. and this is actually a big moment to end the book on and we never ever get that. They just kind of putter around and then end. And yeah, this has a like point. a narrative structure to it. So good on you, Zork. Warriors of Zork, cries Siavar, now mounted on a mighty steed, his voice carrying with unimaginable power. I call upon you to rid our kingdom of this scourge. I order you to destroy this evil. With a cheer that echoes across the plain, the warriors charge forward, engulfing the armies of Krill. Fuck yeah. As the battle rages about them, Siavar holds the sword of Zork high overhead. Just not swinging it. Uh, it's brilliant glow like a beacon to the troops. Something a flag could have done. It dawns on you that you that Siavar has no idea how to use a sword, as he just starts rotating it weirdly. <laughs> yeah. He holds it by the point. He's got it balanced on his nose, inspiring courage in his warriors. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's definitely dexterous, but like, does he know how to use a sword? Dark storm clouds form and lightning streaks down into the heart of the battle. Epic. Love it. Gi- giant balls of fire plunge overhead and explode into a million tiny infernos. This is probably the elemental powers of the three warriors of Zork. A fierce wind whips across the plain, toppling trees and sweeping horses off their feet. Mm. Right? Like one of them's fire, one of them's lightning, and one of them's wind. Mm-hmm. Probably red, blue, and white in that order. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. After an eternity of chaos. <laughs> Which lasted exactly one paragraph. The three warriors of Zork press on, seemingly tireless and invincible. With an explosion like thunder, Krill appears, standing before Siavar, his sword drawn. Ah, oh, fuck. Siavar's one weakness, sword fighting. Oh, no. <laughs> C- competent battle. Dismount and face my challenge, Krill bellows. Siavar, nodding grimly, leaps from his steed. Steel meets steel, and as the full battle rages around them, Siavar at first seems to be the better swordsman. But Krill uses a variety of tricks and pyrotechnics to distract his opponent. Uh, this is the kind of thing you really should do a play-by-play for, right? Yeah. Like it's- I wanna, <laughs> how does he do swords and pyrotechnics? I want to see what it looks like. Like, it just doesn't do any good to say, like, the battle was intense. It really got heated there for a moment. It's like, yeah, show, but show don't tell, buddy. You should have been right. there. Man, it was just <laughs> wild with the swords and such. I don't even have the words for it. It was like... The things he did were very impressive, I'll tell you that. Gosh, it was... There were swords. If you like that kind of prose, feel free to tune into my master class. <laughs> <laughs> Writing a better book with Marky and Chris. Krill lunges and sinks his blade into Siavar's side. The warrior wizard drops to his knees, clutching at the bleeding wound. Krill raises his sword for a final blow. Bivitar and Geronda gasp, powerless to help, because, like, that's their only sword, and somebody else has it. Yeah, this is one of those weird books that the climax is where the protagonists give up all narrative control and let other people take it the rest of the way. Uh Uh-huh, like, we watch this happen. Krill kills Siavar, and the last paragraph is like, then Krill kills you guys. With a crackle of energy, a blue glow surrounds the sword of Zork and Siavar's right arm. With surprising strength... And the plot to the film Idle Hands, Siavar raises the sword and meets Krill's attack. Siavar, technically dead, the life having left his face, is still sword fighting. Krill falls back, stunned, and the corpse that was Siavar plunges his blade deep into Krill's heart. Krill clutches at the blade and starts to whisper a powerful curse, but then realizes that he's fighting a fucking necromancer and, like, those are the most powerful his curses. He dies, 
his whole body disappearing in a giant puff of unwholesome smoke. Don't huff that troll. Don't huff that. Don't huff him. Don't huff him. A deathly silence falls. Suddenly, Bivitar, Geronda, Siavar's corpse, and the knights are back in the living room of the house. Huh. Because, like, why not? Why not? Sure. Um, Siavar's corpse lies beside his sword, the Sword of Zork, and Elrond rushes over to attend to Siavar's corpse. The other knights watch with concern until Elrond announces that... Yeah, you know, after a certain point, you're just writing your own fan fiction. You know that. <laughs> Elrond announces that the wound is not serious. Uh, is not really a corpse. Whatever. Bivitar and Geronda notice that the crystal palantirs are now black smoking piles of ash. Oops. They unleashed three unstoppable <laughs> killing machines. And they're like, hey, kill 10,000 people. And they're like, uh, cool. What's next? Yeah, we fucked up. I don't know. Yeah, go back to the Palantir. They're like, mm, we, should, I, we should not have called up, but we cannot put down. Yeah. I'm still hungry for blood. CFR sees their looks. They have served their purpose and exist no more, he tells them. The fucking pronouns in this book. Right. They, the warriors of Krill, or they, the Palantirs? Uh, they, Bivitar and Geronda. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they have too much power for one mortal to control. Now that, I mean, after we use it the one time, it's like that Batman dilemma where he's like, I need everybody's cell phones. Mm -hmm. And and Morgan Freeman's like, all right, once, but then it becomes a Patriot Act analog. Now that the evil has been vanquished, at least from my perspective, because, you know, they are best left for the gods. He summoned them to his side. The piles of ash? It's so bad. Put in a couple of words. It's like, it's not that hard. And then, and then who's he talking? You've done a great service to me and everyone in the land, he says to the smoking piles of ash that used to be warriors. No one can thank you enough, he tells the former warriors of Zork. His eyes twinkle knowingly. I understand you have other places you must be and people you must see. Until this moment, they had forgotten their own lives, but now realize how terribly they want to go home. Take this ring. Uh-oh, guys. What? Siavar never removes the ring of Zork from his finger. Siavar is now removing the ring of Zork from his finger to give to us. This isn't Siavar. Was that Krill the whole time? And the- it was Krill the whole time. No, there, there must always be a Krill. Uh, oh no, he becomes the Krill and we become the Siavar. When you wish to return, and I hope it will not be too long, uh, but time does move like it does in Narnia. <laughs> so like, as soon as you leave, I'll probably be dead. <laughs> he hugs them affectionately. And then encants a brief spell. Puff of gray smoke surrounds them. It's troll. All of them? Or Oh, yeah. Well, it's not unwholesome black smoke. It's just gray smoke. It's uh, the nights mixed with krill smoke. Mm-hmm. Mm. They wake as if from a deep sleep to find themselves lying in a thicket near the schoolyard wearing their regular clothes. They stare at each other in silence. Did it really happen? Or was it just a dream? June finally asks. Bill laughs. I guess we dreamt it all. Suddenly his hand closes on something in his pocket and he pulls out the ring of Zork. So it wasn't a dream. June points at the school's clock tower. Bivitar, look, we're back in time for dinner. Oh, she adds, lowering her voice a little. I guess it's Bill again. It's Bill now, but it will be Bivitar again someday. The weakest call to adventure of any piece of media. (laughs) And Geronda, adds June, smiling along with him. Well, we only got the one ring, though, and you're usually not available on weekends, so. (laughs) They walk slowly home in silence, 
happily thinking of the many exciting adventures that await them in the land of Zork. The end! Your score is 10 points out of a possible 10 points. Congratulations, you would make a fine adventure. Nailed it. 10 out of 10, baby. So that was dope, but also let's go back to that page we just skipped over because it is amazing. This is the resolution to our confusion before. Yeah, the sneakers thing. Holy shit. Okay, keen-eyed listeners, we are on page 124. Keen-eyed listeners. Yeah, Page (laughs) page 124. A menacing, terrifying hand reaching out like against the backdrop of a spooky face. There are no magic sneakers and no prince of Kaldorn in this book. You have been cheating. Fuck yeah, take that. You've played yourself. You just fucking played yourself. Vindictus, the patron of decision <laughs> novels, appears. Reaching out of the book, he casts a spell on you. You turn into an unbelievably ugly toad. The end. Your score is negative 50 million billion zillion points. The score for the best ending probably isn't important to a cheater like you, who probably looks at the last page first. Boom. 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 Fucking roasted him. Roasted. Welcome to Bonerville, you jabronis. Yeah, good try. Man, I love Vindictus, the patron of decision novels. Yeah. So the last page, I just want to read this last page because I love it, because it is the commercial that Chris joked about last time for the game, Zork. <laughs> Uh, it's in a totally different font. It's like clearly the last, last page. Like it's not even a page in the book. It's not numbered, but it does, it does start out with Bivitars and Gerondas everywhere. <laughs> Your adventures have just begun. Where are my Bivitars at? Oh, my Gerondas make some noise. <laughs> if you've been brave and clever and lucky enough to get this far in the book, which is just the last page, you may be ready for Zork computer games from Infocom. You'll find more excitement behind the magic door to Zork than you'll ever find in any arcade. Well... Depends on what arcade you go to, I think. You talk about sex arcades, Chris? You talk about those sex arcades? Oh. oh I, was, I was talking about people getting, like, weed. Yeah. Where's my Bivitars? <laughs> and get Infocom games at just about any computer store. We make them for all kinds of computers. Apple II, Atari, Commodore 64, CPM 8-inch, DEC Rainbow, <laughs> DEC R1011. Are you guys making a list? IBM Personal <laughs> Computer, NEC APC, NEC PC. That, the NEC APC is a computer you can fit people inside of. So. <laughs> it has, it's got. Uh, it's just to play uh, Mech Warrior. Yeah. Uh, the uh, Osborne end of end of designation. <laughs> just Computer Osborne, TI Professional, TRS80 Model One probably, and TRS80 Model Three. If you're a TRS-80 Model 2, fuck yourself. Tell your limp dick father to buy a real computer. <laughs> oh, man, be sure to buy the specifically marked Infocom game that's right for your computer. So, oh, like, shit. Infocom made 40 different kinds of Zork. Just imagine, like, your grandma, it's 19-fucking-62 or whatever, <laughs> and your grandma's like, Oh, I got you that Zork game you were talking about. And you're like, Grandma, I have an Osborne. This is the TRS-80 Model 3 version. How many different ways can I say it? I have an Osborne. (laughs) What don't you people understand about that? I have an Osborne. I'm an Osborne guy. O-S-B-O-R-N-E. Are any of those words in the phrase TRS-80 Model 3? Maybe if you took me to the computer store with you. We wouldn't be having this conversation. Gang, I think Zork books are, are just about the best. Yeah, these, this has been, for all its flaws and, like, bewildering use of tense in person, 
pretty great. Yeah. Uh, shitty fantasy, I think, is really our lane. So. Yeah. Oh, it's so bad. Uh, well, if you liked that, you should watch our masterclass on how to play Zork. Well, that about does it for us uh, in the land of Zork for now. Yeah, there's uh, three more of these motherfuckers. Tune in next week as we tackle Infocom's Leather Goddesses of Phobos. <laughs> wow. Infocom's first quote-unquote sex farce featuring selectable naughtiness levels ranging from tame to lewd. Holy shit. Yeah, this is a computer program, not a book, right? Yeah, unfortunately, it's a computer program. Okay, uh, all right. And only available for the Amiga, uh, the Amiga, Amstrad CPC, Amstrad PCW, Apple II. I'm a fucking Osborne guy! How many different ways can I say it? <laughs> I'm an Osborne guy! <laughs> I gotta look this up now. Uh, until next time. Oh, <laughs> this fucking thing. Oh, man, look at this fucking thing. Oh, that's a cute guy. He, you think he, you can carry him out to the park? Wow. He looks like a toolbox. He looks like somebody put a bunch of guts in the toolbox. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's like somebody tried to make the world's heaviest briefcase that's also secretly a computer. <laughs> yeah. I'm not confident that my dad doesn't have one of these. He has a lot of stuff that looks a lot like this. Until we go back to Zork, which will be soon, probably, because, damn, these are good. Uh, I've been Ian. I'm Tiger Electronic Baseball. And I'm an Osborne guy. <laughs> and remember, always choose responsibly. Call me Pants Geronda. Pants, <laughs> <laughs> Pants, Pants Geronda. Pants all the time. Pants, Pants, Pants Geronda. <laughs>